Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new, so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Dyson Jacks. Have a time out. Greg Pappas on the board and in studio. Both S&P futures up eight, Nasdaq futures up eight seventy-five. Uh, so we're right now we're to, to the plus side after a big update yesterday. Uh, we're still uh, in bear market territory and the, or uh, correction territory. Sorry, on the uh, S&P, and we're looking at our our third uh, month month slide in a row. But um, we have been doing pretty good on Mondays, except for last Monday. But now yesterday we did is. When the world doesn't come apart on the weekends, it seems like everybody celebrates a little bit on Monday and then and decides to uh, bring it down the rest of the week, but not so far today. Do we have Brendan, the counselor? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you this morning, right, Chief? How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm uh, confused as usual about the world, but other than that, I'm fine, you know? What hmm. are you confused about? You just said go Bears. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my, my mavens. <laughs> Greg was with us last night as well. If ever you want to find out what's, what's screwy about the world, all you got to do is have a cocktail with the people we have a cocktail with once in a while. <laughs> the, view, the view of the world, they're convinced, and Greg is as well, this quarterback should go back to high school. Forget the fact that every time he made a good play, there was a holding penalty, and the one guy fell down and he still hit him in the chest, and the guy dropped it. I mean, the kid didn't do that bad, considering he's his second No, he, uh, No, I, did, I saw only the first half of the game. <laughs> you were lucky about that, by the way. Yeah, I know. Belis Jones is on his way out of the league pretty quickly. I mean, he, that guy is a disaster. Yeah, uh, not only did he drop he? the pass. Oh yeah, yeah. What? Oh yeah, the end. What about the center with he, the two he, holding calls? Right, <laughs> completed. I, yeah, but Belis Jones also had the interference call on the punt. Yeah, he crashed into the guy who called for a fair catch. Yeah, I mean, he may be fast, but fast doesn't cure stupid. No, no, it's uh, it's pretty scary. What uh. From somebody who's kind of viewing this, the world, the market, and everything is from the uh, um, not involved in it. So maybe you can see the forest and that gets stuck in the trees like the rest of us. What, what do you make of a, of, a, of what's going on, in, not only in the Middle East, but and that's a big subject, but um, what do you make of people's reactions to it, which is another huge subject, but what do you make of the way the market, how stuff that should be obvious isn't, and uh, Greg and I were riding up on the elevator. Who would think that really oil, even though it's up today, if you were to say Mideast War, what happens? The first thing shot out of your head would be 
God, well, the oil's going to go to the moon. Oil's going straight down. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is really sort of very difficult to trade because the obvious, as they used to say on the trading floor, is not so obvious. Why is mm-hmm. that? I mean, all your instincts seem to be sort of wrong on this, it seems like, I mean, or, or at least mine. Now, Chief, if I had the answer to that question, I would have more money than Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos combined. True. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, and you, you and I wouldn't be talking about this right now because I would have my own island someplace with uh, all kinds of stuff being flown in to keep us happy. <laughs> um, would you invite us down? Of course, I would. Um, we could broad, we could broadcast from there. By the way, uh, just as a way of an announcement, today is a very happy day for. Uh, Stacks and Jacks, there is a new little webby girl on, on the planet. Ah, yeah. congratulations to Maddie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bet Corinne, B-E-T-T-E, pronounced bet. Did, did Maddie make a bet last week or something? I named the kid better. I mean, it seems a little... How many times do you think the poor girl's going to say, don't you mean Beth? No, bet. But, uh, <laughs> but she's a, evidently she's adorable. Was it, was it today or yesterday? Uh, they, I got the, the text 2.30 in the morning Sunday. They were off to the hospital, and I said, you know, are you, are you covered on the other one and uh, the dog? And he said, yeah, the, uh, her parents had made it in from the Burbs, and uh, they were, uh, she went in at 2.30, and I think the baby was born at 11.30, so, you know, a while, but not like, you know, a huge amount, I guess. I'm not, I don't know much about babies, but it wasn't like it was a 24-hour ordeal. It was, I'm sure nine hours is bad enough, but uh, uh, everybody's, everybody's fine. Um, so cool. Good. I'm so happy for Maddie. And his, his wife is such such a terrific lady. I mean, she's she is such a sweetheart. And uh, I'm you know that, that's great. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to go again for round three to get a boy, but uh, he's happy with the two girls. You know, he's, he's cool. And now the question is, is the uh, other one going to like the, the the new addition? You know, we'll see how that works out. She's only like well, there'll be there'll be an adjustment. There'll like, be an adjustment period from having all of the attention to having to share the attention. I don't think she's even two yet. Maybe she is. She's she's young. It's not like she's like four or five. Mm-hmm. So, but still, uh, there's there's a lot of things that have been in, imprinted. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, my my older three kids are uh, a year and two weeks. My older two are a year and two weeks apart, and then between two and three is fifteen months apart. And they had to share a lot of things. <laughs> Tina were, had to share a lot of attention. Why didn't you do a little a little quicker and you'd been the Irish twins? I know it was pretty close. It's uh that's quick. But I tell you, my uh, one of the guys who works in the building, his his mother had sixteen kids and had and two mm-hmm. miscarriages. She was pregnant for eighteen years. Yeah, one of my best friends. One of my best friends in high school was the oldest of, I think, it was fourteen kids, and his last sibling was born when we were seniors in high school. That's that's really something. Mm-hmm. Well, we met, we talked about that with uh, Dick Butkus. Wasn't he the youngest of twelve or eleven or something? Wow! Yeah, I, <clears throat> I didn't know that. But I think they were they were pretty spread out as well. I think his when he was born, I think a couple of his sisters had already like left the house and were married and stuff. Mm-hmm. Dude, I can't, you know, we had we had two. That's I can't say that it seemed like a lot. It's I could have seen you know maybe one or two more, but ten <laughs> <It> seems, like, <laughs> seems like kind of a crowd. But uh, it does. The uh, it, you know what it's. Seems what seems weird, Brennan, is as is the world gets uh, seemingly more opinionated and stuff that they see and everything that you 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 think you get through a tweet or through whatever it is or through an X or whatever you want to call it, if you really research it, it, it uh, you know it, it gets 
it's it's not so obvious at all. I'm using that term too much today, but this whole Middle East situation, every everybody's got an opinion, and I'm going to say this is one of the most complex situations. Is there anybody that really understands the whole iteration of what's going on over there? I mean, I sure don't. And I, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I fall back. Everybody falls back on what they're good at. I mean, you fall back on the law. I fall back on economics. And I, I just look at a situation where it's real easy to say, oh, I got these Palestinians, you know, just blast them all the way to hell. Or say, what are you doing? Your, ta- your tank's up against people. That's a bad look, which it is. Uh, and... Yet you go back to how many years, you know, from America, how, how many years of 25% unemployment among males can you have without problems? We, you know, I'm not being as, uh, self-flagellant here, but we managed to bust up Iraq with no solution there. That place has to be a hellhole. I mean, I don't know that, but just because it's off the front pages, um, Syria was the biggest thing in the news for how many years? Mm-hmm. You know, people being killed and this and that, and we're fighting and they're fighting, and there's all of a sudden it's off the front pages. Does anybody think it's fixed? Lebanon, sort of the same way. Uh, Iran, we know what a hellhole that is. I mean, is anybody is anybody shocked at any of this stuff? I mean, it, someday it, does it have to? It's going to have to. It can't just be ignored for two years and it pops back up and people go, just because I forgot about it. There must have been a solution. And what are these guys doing? It's is there any group of people that can get together. The UN seems like they have they have nothing whatsoever. They have no balls, no brains. Um, I don't see even when this dies down, I don't see any kind of a solution anywhere. Do you? I don't. But you mentioned something very interesting with the UN solution. <laughs> Remember with the composition of the UN, nothing effectively can get done because of the veto votes of China, the US, and Russia. So you're not going to get consensus among those three entities. So there's always going to be a veto, uh, something to try to resolve the situation. And I agree with you that it's not only a question that we forgot, but we weren't paying attention. We diverted our attention elsewhere away from Libya or Syria or Iraq or anything else because a new hotspot popped up. And once once that gets to a, once a, another hotspot pops up, we'll forget or lessen the attention on the Middle East and Gaza and Israel. Um, it, that's just kind of the nature of the way that we get our information and the way that we focus our attention. And I, but I don't. Yeah. And plus, there's nothing you can do about it. So no matter how much you, you know, you read up on it, it just what what can you do about it? You can't help. You can't come. I mean, there's no solution. Not like I'm, I, I discovered the solution. And nobody will listen to me. I can't find one either. I mean, it's, you know. Well, that's right. When you look at the Palestinian-Israeli solution or potential solution. It would be for coexistence within that area, but there's so much hatred between the two groups that that's implausible, if not impossible. And but that goes back centuries um, <clears throat> to you know when Israel was originally the area, and they were all booted out. The Palestinians came in, and in 1948, the Palestinians were kicked out to make room for Israel. And so, whose land is it really? Is it the Palestinian land? Is it the Israeli land? And how do you get the the two to coexist? in a way when both thinks the other shouldn't be there or be around at all. Wait a minute, does Genghis Khan get to put in a claim? He was there once, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know if Genghis Khan made it all the way down there. He may have. There was a couple of guys that, that blew through there. There were uh, Well, then there was the Turks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the yep. Ottoman Empire there was there forever, and there was the Romans. There were all kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Italians should lay claim to the place. <laughs> well, I mean, think about the history of Italy. They weren't a, a nation until, what, 1880, 1890? 
they were just a bunch of little smaller states inside the boot. I actually did a paper on that in high school. What was the name of the king that put them together? I don't remember. Victor Emmanuel II. But who was the guy who was his general that actually was the big... What was that guy's name? I should remember. I wrote the paper. It was you a, should. Yeah, it was... How long ago was high school? We don't want to go into that, but... But a, chief, you yeah. have a you have a storefront of a, a, a memory there. I mean, you're, those, those memory banks you just have automatic recall or something like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, actually, you know what? You know what's weird, Brennan? When Doctor J and I used to do the show on the score together, <coughs> we were not that you and I aren't. We were absolutely perfect for each other because he would remember all everybody's name who was doing something, and I would always remember the subject of the article and always forgot the name. So, so we were so we were like a perfect match because we both mm-hmm. we'd read something he'd remember one part of it and I'd remember the other because like, I I just couldn't you know I I was never huge on names when I was on the on the CBOE board it was scary everybody knew me because I was on the board and I didn't you know I wasn't about to have a thousand people's names at my back and call even with a badge on I was just bad mm-hmm. at, just bad at it. plus it's it's rude to be bad at it I just am you know? <laughs> I mean are people who remember everybody's name you know it's uh the guys uh. Moose Krause, when he was, uh, Moose was an incredible guy. By the way, he was only, talk about a piece of trivia, he was the only, only one of two, two-sport All-Americans in the same year ever at Notre Dame. Really? Yeah. He was football and basketball. Hmm. Now, who, now who was the other in your time? Um, I don't know. Who, who's the guy on, uh. He's been on the on the radio and ESPN forever. Grable, is it, he's uh, is that the uh, what's his what's his first name? He's the brother, but his brother was Bob Grable, who played mm-hmm. middle linebacker. He was older than me, and then he played for uh, Oakland forever. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but he was really good. He was a middle linebacker, and he was a wrestler. Wow! And he would go from being like two twenty five, two thirty as a linebacker to wrestling one ninety five like three weeks later. How the hell he did that I have no idea. Hmm. He wasn't he wasn't heavyweight. He was like what's one ninety five? Is that light heavyweight or one it was one or two below heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And uh he, he was uh, <coughs> I forget the name he's, uh one of the guys is on ESPN. He's a, the big he's huge, he's a tackle. He played for Philly or Pittsburgh or somebody. He was a real good player too, but his brother was uh he was on the same line as Lyle Elzado and those guys. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, one's Bob, and I forget what the other guy's name is. But the uh, there's only only been two, two being a two sport all American is a big deal. I mean, that's, it is a big deal. That's that's a Jim Thorpe sort of thing. <laughs> you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's like only a few people in the world have that gene. But when uh, well, in in recent years, if you get to play two sports, that's a big deal because of the time commitment for a sport, especially if one of them is is either basketball or football, with the year round conditioning in plays. But you know, the, like Jeff Samarja and Cole Komet were both baseball players at Notre Dame, Bob pitchers Go- as well as football. Kevin wing, wings in that. Bob Golick was not uh, Bob Golick, not Graber. Bob Golick was his name, and the brother's name. I don't know what the brother's name is. He's the one on ESPN. But uh, yeah, I mean, he in, in those days. Anyway, Moose, he was one of these guys that knew everybody and never forgot a face. He was a big softball player here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He played with one of my buddy's dads was a <coughs> big time softball player with the American Rivets. They were like the Bobcats at the time, and he was the pitcher and whatever. Also, <coughs> we were going to another name function. So my brother's mom says, make sure you say hello to Moose Krause, even though his dad was dead for 15 years. 
my buddy's like, I don't want to say it. Sure enough, I go, hey, you man, said to go say hello to the guy. So we go to this Notre Dame function, he walks up and he says, Mr. Krause, just want to risk myself, my name's Jim Vervek, and uh, my mother said to say hello. And he goes, yeah, I heard George died. By the way, how's your mother, Phyllis? I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but the guy, the guy, they probably haven't seen each other in 35 years, and, you know, it's just unreal. And some people just have that ability. That, that's a gift. That's, that's a gift of a politician. Oh, yeah. But Moose was, you know, whenever, whenever it was a game, I'll tell you what, though, they did not, when, uh, before my time, when, uh, you know, he was the the original uh, sports GM type of thing for a college. They, you know, he he Hesburgh, they had their roles together, and it was you imagine a world when uh, the Irish guy, the hell's his name, the, the first uh, black basketball player. He just died recently. A terrific guy. Uh, he did the, the radio shows forever. I mean, I've met him a few times. Real nice, and uh, he had one out of a nice career in business and the whole bit. I forgot what his name. Tom something something. Um, but when the Irish were going to go play so many southern schools. And they had a, a black athlete, uh, which, you know, wasn't that long ago when you think about it. Right. <laughs> um, they were going to play schools that didn't, you know, didn't want really any black athletes. And, uh, I mean, what was, who was the, like, the latest? Was it Kentucky? The, were they, like, the last one? Of a, something like that. Anyway, that so, yeah, I think they were. And uh, so Father Hesburgh, he didn't d- delegate. He didn't say, you know, Greg Pappas, you make this call. He picked up the call, called the other school's chairman, where he was the main 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 mofo in charge, and said, we're bringing a black athlete, is that a problem? If not, we're not, if it is, we're not coming. He didn't, he didn't delegate anything like that. He picked mm-hmm. up the, I mean, it was a different era. <laughs> it was. You know, Hesburgh was not afraid to make that call. Um, you know, and, and he didn't delegate. Tommy Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Tommy Hawkins, you remember that name? Yep, I uh, do. Um, anyway, so, uh, what do you make of the market trying to digest all this stuff? Uh, I don't. I think it's very possible. I mean, for, what does, here's, here's Ryan Brennan. I, I'm hugely in support of Israel. They're an ally. They always have been. I don't trust this Netanyahu to say. I, I I never liked the guy. So I'm, I'm, I have mixed emotions about this too. I don't think mm-hmm. he has anywhere near the touch to pull this off to 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 make to take retribution on the horrible thing that happened to go after the people who actually did it and to somehow leave the rest of the people somewhat alone. I don't think he has that touch at all, and he's proven it to me, it seems. Well, I, I agree with you that he doesn't have the touch, and he has proven it in the past. And, you know, there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, one of which is that he knew about the imminent attack. Maybe he didn't know how brutal it was going to be, but this sets him up for retribution in, in Gaza. Um, and it, that, again, seems very far-fetched to me. But you got to wonder how Israel was caught with their guard down for an event like that. Um, it, it really seems unlikely that, that there was no warning or that, you know, but I mean, you go back to things like Pearl Harbor, how much did Roosevelt know before Pearl Harbor or other big attacks? That, that the, the the idea that things seem so far out of reach spawns conspiracy theories. And, well, the, the latest um, last night, according to the group I was with, um, <coughs> it, and this is, you know, everybody's reading everything everywhere. Um, is that they were warned by Egypt and other people, and they actually did think there was some sort of incursion. They were totally overwhelmed by the size, that they sent like 300 people down there or something was the number I heard last night. Now, this is not gospel. Uh, by the way, the gospel is even true? Anyway, so they, uh, they sent... They, they, which one? One yeah, of them is. I don't know which one it is. I don't know which one it is. Uh, so they sent 
they had some idea that there was going to be an incursion. There had been, you know, rumors and all kinds of stuff, but had no idea the size and the complexity of it, which is probably the version that I would say I believe that they, I mean, when Roosevelt knew generally there was going to be something happen. They thought it would be in the Philippines first, and uh, they they just thought Hawaii was too far. You know, they wouldn't mm-hmm. nobody, could, nobody could get there. But they they were, actually they were on full alert of, of Hawaii the week before, weren't they? Or was it two weeks before? I think that's true. But I mean, what would there, full there alert? was some warning. There were there, and and they were trying to reinforce their base. They were trying to bring some more airplane aircraft in. Um, <clears throat> at the time of the attack. Yeah. But, you know, going back to Netanyahu, I think where he, where he is in greatest danger right now is that I believe the world was on his side on October 7th and October 8th, uh, especially when some of the videos about the massacre oh, yeah. and, and taking all the hostages, everybody was on their side. But he can very easily overplay the hand and shift all the sympathy away from Israel to make it anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian or pro-Hamas based on the reaction of Israeli forces going into Gaza. And it's it's heightened by the fact that with all the network of tunnels beneath Gaza City, how do you uh, eliminate Hamas in the tunnel system or when they're embedded with civilians? Um, I don't see a way to do that without massive civilian casualties, which will swing the pendulum against Israel in, it already, in many it parts is. of the world. It's already they happened. already are. It already happened. I, one of his generals was on, <clears throat> you, you know, I, I, he was either just retired or was still a general. He was on one of the liberal state, liberal CNBC or something, something. And he was essentially arguing with the announcer that in his mind, there, there's no way, that, this was so heinous, which it was pretty heinous, there's no way they could go too far. There was, there, was, there was no rules at this point. They could do whatever they wanted. That was their. I, I think there's always. But then again, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a, a war kind of guy. But the, uh, uh, you know, you don't bring a machine gun to a knife fight, I guess. But I guess some people mm-hmm. think you do. But he, but he, 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 he was absolutely convinced that you know, based on what had happened, you could do whatever you wanted. And, and well, it, I disagree with that, and I think yeah. the world disagrees with that. That that the retribution has to be measured. And it's a slow process going door to door to try to find out where Hamas is to destroy the tunnels. Um, I mean, there was a similar thing with all the tunnel systems in Vietnam when the U.S. soldiers would even try to bomb the areas. But, I mean, the Vietnamese tunnels were mostly made out of dirt stuff. These look like they're they're concrete bunkers throughout the whole area of Gaza that have been built over over decades. Well, same thing happened in World War II. We bombed and battleship blasted how many of these islands and it didn't make any difference. Everybody was buried mm-hmm. in a cave. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't I think makes it even worse is I think a lot of people feel that the real people that pull the strings and organize it aren't even there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're probably long gone. But, it, yeah. but, but the, uh, I just, the totality of the situation between Lebanon, Syria, Gaza, West Bank's been pretty quiet, uh, thankfully. Uh, the northern border has been pretty yeah, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just, I, the, the complexity of the situation, I think everybody needs to step back. You know, it's funny, Brian, we only got a minute, but we could, well, we go over about 30 seconds, but one of my buddies and I were having a fight last week about, you know, uh, Biden and the strategic oil reserve and how he never put the oil back and how this is, you know, crazy policy and blah, blah, blah. And yet, I went back and I, I read a whole history of the strategic oil reserve. There's, there's, there's no number that is, that is supposed to be there for sure. This is a this is a big drawdown. 
for political reasons. I get it. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I, and I don't mind criticizing it, but there's been like 15 different drawdowns. None mm-hmm. of them. There were drawdowns during the Trump administration, not as many. There's no, every time you draw it down, there's no rule that says you got to put it back. There's no, it's, it's. Or when. Yeah, or when, or whatever. There's, there, I mean, the number is 350 million now. Okay, it was 600. Which, which should it be? I don't know. <laughs> Could, maybe it should be 800. Maybe it should be 200. There, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it's so, every, you can't get into a conversation about Biden without somebody saying that he's buried the oil industry. Now, he may want to, and he may, the, the people around him may be ro- going down that road. How many people know that since he's been in office, we're, we're, we're producing a million more barrels a day than we did when Trump was there? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the facts, I, mean, I, started, I started our segment. Don't saying, confuse me with the facts. Yeah, the facts are, I mean, I, I would have I guessed oil would be 110 by now, and I would have guessed gold would be 2,500, and neither one of them are moving. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it is, this is a bizarre world. Right? <laughs> it really is, it seems to me. I, that's why I look for guys like you that aren't in, in, in the stuff as much as I am during the day to kind of look up, put a perspective on it and, of course, you know, say, of course, that's not happening. But it's hard to, isn't it? It is. It's very hard. It's very hard to anticipate what, how the market reacts and how individuals react and how other countries around the world react. But I do think that we're in for a big hurt in the Middle East with oil production um, <clears throat> as a result of what's going on in Gaza right now and what's going on in other countries, like, like you pointed out, Syria, Iraq, and the Iran involvement. It's it's going to be a messy year ahead. Oh, i, I got to believe it. Uh, we might need you back. I've been having a... Uh... Uh, Katie uh, Mather's going to be back on who talks about, uh, she's doing a lot of medical research, <clears throat> talk about patents and what the schools do and where the funding comes from. Um, <clears throat> might pick your brain to be on with her one of these days, if that's all right with you. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Just let me know. I will. SP Viewers up 11. SP Viewers up 20. Be right back, Mr. Joel Uncannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck, get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Uh, Greg Pappas on the board and in studio. Uh, we have S&P Futures up 11.75 trying to make it two days in a row here. That would be nice. <clears throat> it's been a while, but I don't think we're going to break out of uh, the down month unless we have some big, huge update today, but we'll find that out from Joel. Uh, Nas- uh, NASDAQ up uh, 20, 20, and 20, 20, 50, 2 0 and 50 cents. Uh, Dow up 141, individual stocks in the Dow 
McDonald's up a buck fifty-five as they find inflation is very, very good to them. Uh, Caterpillar rubber down nine sixty-six. They had earnings. Obviously, they disappointed. Uh, again, a pretty big time move. I think the. I don't think they did though. Well, they uh, they disappointed somebody. Yeah, they disappointed the street. You can't go with uh, who are these expectators? You know, they came out with three dollars. They were supposed to be two ninety. It automatically means good. You don't. I don't think whoever these expectators are are doing such a good job. Just saying. You can't just go by the numbers, can you, Greg? No. I'm uh, sure call spreads. Well, that's, uh, I'm sure there's, we, I think we should have been long puts. Just saying. Bingo. Yeah, DAX up 91.6%. Puts you up 37.5%. Gakaran up 73. That's a full 1%. So we're uh, bouncing back here in Europe somewhat. We have the Nikkei up 161. It's 0.5%. Hang Seng. Down 293, but still hovering over 17,000. Uh, 17,112. But those guys maintain volatility here to, to beat the band. Shanghai down two. Let's call that one flat. So we got one up, one down, and one flat. So uh, yesterday, nice to talk about a rally. That was up 511. That's a lot. SP uh, was up 49. NASDAQ up 146. We've got 10 year rates down four basis points. Another reason why we're up. And then we have the start of the Fed meeting today. A 4.83 in the 10-year. The Bund down four basis points, 2.78. Japan up five basis points, 0.9. This is a big move. We're going to talk to Joel about this. 0.95 on Japan. Oil, uh, 54 cents, 82.85, like we've been talking about. We've got Marbob up a penny, 2.23. And we have voice issues, obviously. We've got gold up two bucks, 2007. Silver down three cents. Had a huge rally yesterday in silver, 23.36. Silver is acting like there's a war on. Gold isn't really. Copper unchanged, 3.66. Bitcoin up 111, 34,5527. Last but not least, the dollar, which has been very quiet, is actually down a little bit today with the a euro up to 106.5. British pound up to 122. What do we got for us, Travis? Weather Sports. Good morning, Go everyone. Bears. <laughs> 6.36 here in Chicago. We've got 29 degrees right now, about 37 today. Uh, snowy and cold, so happy Halloween, everyone. Do you ever recall trick-or-treating in the 20-mile-an-hour wind in the snow? I do not. Uh, I remember snow, that's for sure. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, well, 37 and cold. <laughs> now, so Joel, maybe it, Joel's going to say up in Detroit they used to do it every year in a blizzard. They won anyway. Yeah. Phoenix, 55 right now, 82 today. Plenty of sun there. Uh, poor air quality, though. So traffic, inbound Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 21 minutes. Inbound Edens. Uh, from Lake Cook is 50 minutes. Ike from Wolf is 24 minutes. The Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 20 minutes. Inbound Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is about 36 minutes. NFL, we had the Lions beat the Raiders last night at home. That was 26-14. to 14. The Lions record is now 6-2, and two, which is the opposite of the Bears. And in the World Series, the Rangers beat the Diamondbacks 3-1. to one. Um, Texas is in front. Two to one in that series. That's all I got, Chief. What about the Bulls were winners down in Indiana? The Bulls were winners down in Indiana. <laughs> Indiana Pacers. There you go, Joel. Are your uh, do you have your Super Bowl tickets? Uh, Super Bowl shuffle. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you're good at dancing like the fridge was. Oh man, we ain't here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Super Bowl shuffle, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, I was actually in Chicago uh, at that time. I was down at the Merrick. Uh, 
I'm happy for the city of Detroit. I know talking to me over the years, you've heard a lot of Michigan out of me. Uh, kind of grew up, uh, you know, um, I'm really a Lions fan. My dad was from uh, Wisconsin. He wasn't a super Green Bay fan. Uh, I really tacked on to, uh, I liked the Steelers as a kid. And then, you know, as I got older in my adult life with my wife, I used I put my wife through so much aggravation on Saturdays that I decided, you know, I'm just not going to be a huge pro fan. So happy for the team, happy for the city. Uh, it was great. It was electric, as you can see on the TV last night. How good they're going to be, I don't know. I mean, to me, and another reason I've lost uh, my interest, Wayne's in the NFL. You know what the primary reason is, Chief? Um, I could I could guess on about four of them, but which is it? Injuries. Yeah. You know, like look at look at Kirk Cousins. I mean, the guy the guy you know criticized comes back having the best game of his uh you know one of his career great year boom Achilles out. Uh, not that I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but you know goes to the Jets big contract Achilles. I mean, you know you saw what happened to Darius Hamlin. Uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, I'm not a, I mean, that's a part of the game, right? Injuries are part of the game, but man, these guys are just so big and so fast. I mean, you got guys six, four, you know, 260, 270 running, you know, four, five, four, six, forties trying to rip your head off. So, but you're not here for me to complain about NFL football. You're here for me to talk about the markets. Yeah, and- you explain to me why I can't just buy oil with a war on. I can't just buy gold. This is very confusing, Joe. Uh, well, um, gold is gold. And, you know, whatever you want to say about gold, it's been just in a multi-year trading range. I mean, any way you look at it. I mean, you know, I mean, you've been as low as 15. I mean, if you go back to 2014, you spent a majority of the time like between 1600 and like 1900 and chop and slop so it's had a nice move um, off the low it just uh, competition from Bitcoin too right and uh, just a lot of other factors to it I'm, I'm full disclosure I, I am long some gold I've had it forever and every time it gets up near 2000 I say I'm gonna sell it this time and then I don't and then it goes back down to 1800 I feel same as way. far as crude, crude oil goes man that's a tricky one there chief because uh, the geopolitical conflicts that are going on it's definitely you see the pops in oil um, but then on the other hand you know there's really some strong fundamental factors if the economy is slowing down if the economy is going into a recession then is there going to be as much demand for oil, right? And then you couple this, and I don't want to open up the whole can of worms here, but if we are going to EVs, if, we're, if we are going more to electric vehicles, which hasn't gone at the rate that many have predicted, won't that create less demand for oil in the long run? So there's there's some fundamental factors to discuss. The technicals are the technicals. Are the technicals. Well, we sure are. And, uh, I mean, no matter, no matter what you think of the the industry in the world you compare the mileage per vehicle with 30 years ago it's it's double for god's sake right mm-hmm. so i mean yeah there's and but the uh you would just you would just think that the the facts i mean if you listen to people's view of the current administration they've buried the oil industry well no they haven't They're producing a million more barrels a day than they were when the guy took office 
maybe despite him, but but the fact is they are, right? I mean, it, the numbers don't even match the rhetoric, do they? No, nothing. Not, and then, you know, you got you got OPEC in Russia, you know, trying to, you know, um, you know, manipulate it, and, and so far they have, and they, you know, they've manipulated it, it uh, you know, to a high level. I mean, 100, you know, people calling for 100, 120. I tell you, people just won't buy gas if, it, if it's that high. And, you know, you had to, you know, it was artificially depressed, obviously, during COVID when the whole world stopped moving. So I always thought that, you know, like the, the true value of, uh, you know, like the median price for oil was, uh, you know, was 60, 70 bucks. But I don't know. It's been proving me wrong for a long time. Well, it, it probably above, is. Uh, above 80. It probably it probably is. It's just uh, um, well, we've had the inf- the inflation of the last four years, so what used to be sixty five probably is eighty. Mm-hmm. Good point. What uh, which is what I wanted to mention. I was reading here on CNBC about what a massive winner the UAW is in this thing. I don't, I don't see that at all. Do you? I see them a somewhat of a winner, but I don't see them a massive winner. Do you? Well, it all depends how how you stack it up, Chief. I mean. They did get the wage increases that they wanted. Um, they were far behind. The, the you know the workers made a you know a lot of concessions. So from that standpoint, yes. Uh, but you know, who knows what's going to come on down the line? You know, with these kind of uh, you know rating you know wage increases. Uh, uh, the the thing about worries me the most is GM just had just incredible profits right and that stock well i mean if anything you guys listen to this show over the years and stuff man when a stock doesn't go up on good news then get the hell out of the way and if you go back and look at the earnings beats for gm over the last two years you're thinking you know and it would have a little bit of a pop but man it just would not move on good news uh ford has its own issues so I think they got what they wanted in the in the short run, but I don't know how it's going to play out in the long run. Well, I think you can't, uh, if, if you were to, I don't really have the stats in front of me, if you go back to 2008 and some of the concessions and you, you do any kind of a, a move forward in terms of salaries, you know, with all the other stuff, the benefits, and don't forget your, yeah. your, your, your hospitalizations probably doubled and all those other kinds of things. you gotta got to make sure you count that too. But if you if you keep any anywhere near that versus price of the car versus uh, management salaries versus anything else, these guys are still like way behind. I mean, it's not even. I mean, it's not even close. And when you look mm-hmm. at the amount of uh, the amount of wages, I mean, everybody looks at that's that's why. Matter of fact, I heard two I won't say idiots on CNBC talk about the price of cars is going up. Don't you get it? It's already gone up. Well, they don't. They don't wait to give somebody a raise if they could get more for the car, right? But these guys are talking about twenty-five percent raises over four and a half years, including an eleven percent increase upon ratification. And this is a kind of a big one here: reinstatement of cost of living adjustments. I wonder if they're using the CPI, Joel. I hope they aren't. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I would just say, you know, looking at, you know, looking at things on a longer-term perspective. Uh, if you want to invest in these, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying to invest in any of these companies on a relative basis for some reason Stellantis has held up GM yeah. hasn't 
Ford has it. Now Stellantis, you know, of course, reorg. So it was Chrysler, it was Daimler Chrysler, and now it's Stellantis. If you just look at the stock since 2018, this stock in 2018 peaked just over 22 bucks, and now it's hanging at 18 bucks. Yeah. Uh, so whatever the reason is for Stellantis, GM recently peaked uh, around that period at 65 now it's at 27 ford's been all over the map but at peaked in 22 at 24 i can remember losing money on 24 puts i can remember that uh so if you're looking to invest i mean i don't know what their dividend is but um i'm just on a relative straight basis uh that seems to be where the money's hiding and i guess i guess toyota too Toyota Motors is, you know, that had a big run that benefited from the strike, and then Honda as well. So it's 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 tough tough environment. Out well, there. Joel, we gotta let you go, but I think maybe next week it's if you're not part of the top seven stocks that everybody's gonna be thinks is the future of the world. All the rest of these that just give a dividend and make money, Telephone, Verizon, those kinds of places, they've all made, they've had a horrible year. Oh yeah. Okay, Chief. Take care of yourself. No, no, no talk on the Chini scandal, so thank you once again. Uh, that thing's getting worse, eh? It ain't getting better. No. SP Futures up 10, NASA Futures up 13. Greg, are we going right to Kenny or we want a break? Let's go right to Kenny. Kenny, we're going right to Kenny. How are you, Kenny? I'm good. How are you? We're doing all right. Uh, I have so many topics this morning with everybody. Um, I, don't know, I don't know where to start. I started with Brendan saying when, when the obvious is obvious... That's all. I mean, I, I can't believe oil's struggling here with a war going on. Um, the, the, the stocks that you would think would be going up maybe aren't. Other ones are. It's is it, are we uh, are we coming off the? Are we getting unglued here or what? Or am I just uh, thinking stuff is supposed to happen like it used to happen and it doesn't? Well, well. So I think yesterday was a direct result of a way oversold condition from last, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when they we broke some key technical levels and the algos went into sell mode, and then you had the coming weekend and the nervousness around what was going to happen in Israel. Was it going to happen? Was it going to happen? You know, was it going to be an invasion or not? Was Iran going to get involved? It's all that nervousness uh, that goes into the weekend that caused that short-term oversold condition, and then we get you know nothing over the weekend that gets any worse than what it is. Um, and so the buy side algos go in there and they look at all this damage that's been done. They see, you know, benefits in terms of stocks, good stocks that have gotten now mispriced. Uh, and they go in like bonkers yesterday. Sellers are exhausted after they've, you know, completely sold the market off. They step back. And once again, then we see what we, you know, we see the rally that we saw. And we're going to see it again this morning, at least maybe not nearly as big. But I think a lot of that is just credited to the bounce, right? And then we're now at the end of October. We'll see what today brings. But as we go into November, December, we will typically get that you know, end of year bounce, call it the Santa Claus rally, what you want. I don't think it's going to be the bounce that many expected prior to October 7th, where I even thought we were going to go back to the 4,500 level, but I don't think that's possible now. I think at the best we get back to maybe 4,350, which is about a 4% move higher from where we are, um, because I still think there's going to be some concerns. I think rates are going to still go higher. That's going to be a headwind. I think we're going to see 10-year rates go up and stay over 5%. Um, tomorrow there's going to be not only the Fed announcement, but tomorrow there's also going to be the Treasury refunding announcement, which not a lot of people are paying attention to. But remember, two weeks ago when they 
when they had the 30-year auction, it had a very tepid response. That was the day that rates shot higher on the back of that response. Well, when the Fed and when the Treasury announces tomorrow what they need to in terms of funding, in terms of new supply coming to the markets, uh, you and I both know in order to pay for this, you know, th- this uh, drunken sale of spending that the administration has done is. Uh, they're going to have to come out with with more with more supply, and more supply is just going to create uh, lower prices, which will then create higher yields, right? Because that because of that relationship. So I'm cautious. While I think you know we've probably hit the bottom in terms of this correction that's taken place right in here around the four thousand forty one hundred level. Um, I don't think we're going to have this this powerful end of year rally, but I do think we could see the markets. Uh, take back some of this lost, uh, some of the lost action, uh, as long as Israel Hamas doesn't completely spin out of control and suddenly get Iran, Syria, and Lebanon joining into the fight, because then that 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 changes the landscape once again. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm w- I'm with you on just about all of that. I I don't some of the problems that were uh, you, you described there though, when you start getting to the the real heady stuff of how much. Of the budget now is becoming interest. How, the, the fact that we're still running a thirty or thirty-five percent deficit every single month, for God's sake, that yep. that somehow last year our receipts were less than the year before, which I can't even fathom how that can be. I, I don't know that there's much wiggle room here. Okay? I mean, I, and I and I see. I mean, Joel was just talking about stocks like GM and Ford and Stellar. They can't get out of their own way. Uh, and you, if you if you strip away the the, the top seven. You got a pretty crappy market for a while. I mean, you, you do. Have, if you look yeah, at, yeah. if you just look at the uh, the uh, equal weighted S and P, it's actually down nearly almost five percent on the year. That's right? what I'm That's saying. Yeah. If you look at just the S and P, we're up seven percent or whatever the number is. But it's really a direct result of those six or seven names that they're talking about, right? That have that have led the that have led the move higher. And certainly, those are names that saw some great action yesterday because those are also names over the last six weeks or five weeks that have gotten kind of beaten up because big asset managers, if they need to raise money, where do they go? They go to the names they can raise the money in. So you can raise a mon- lot of money by selling Apple because it's such a large name, right? Large market capitalization. You don't have to sell a ton in order to raise a lot of money. The same in Amazon, the same in NVIDIA, the same in Tesla, which is all what they've been doing, right? They've been raising cash in those things. And those are the names that actually saw uh, lots of activity yesterday because they're down 18 or 15 or 18 percent and they're big solid days. Look, Apple makes Apple earns ninety billion dollars every quarter, and where's it going? Right? Where's Apple really going? So, at a fifteen or eighteen percent discount, why wouldn't you back up the truck if you're if you're a long-term investor and you're holding it for the long term? Well, because we we are, I you know I'm not I'm not I'm not going to advise anybody to get rid of the Apple, but I'm going to say right. that you, that we lo- we're looking. As we look at interest rates being higher for longer, and I don't see long-term rates, I can see short-term rates coming down a little bit next year. I don't see long-term rates coming down at all because I don't, I don't see our future as uh, inflation less than two percent. These guys are smoking some. It hasn't been two percent for twenty-five years, even though they say it has been. Uh, I, I don't. At some at some point, you can't point the scrutiny, the uh, I'll, see, I'll say the fundamental analysis at every stock in the market except seven. It's at yep. one point. At one point, you either lift the scrutiny on those guys, and the telephones yep. and the Verizons of the world become a screaming buy, which I'm not saying. But you you can't be be 
zeroing in on Ford and Telephone and, oh, man, these guys aren't worth crap. At the same time, seeing Lululemon at 100 times earnings and 40 times revenue. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't see that lasting forever. Now, how, how long forever is, it could be a decade, but I don't, I don't see that lasting forever. Again. It never has. Right. Correct. I mean, it was, right, for, for years it was eBay. Right. You know, eBay was like that. You couldn't sell eBay, and all of a sudden one day we sold eBay, right? I mean, just I don't see these, the, the things that are, quote, retailers. I mean, they can say what they want about Amazon being a cloud company. It's a retailer. <laughs> you know, I mean, real, I mean, a little bit of the other, but I'm saying, at some point the scrutiny comes to everybody, right? We all got yes. to get on the scale one day, right? Yes. No. No. Uh, yeah. No. I agree. I'd rather not get on it right now, though, if you don't mind. But, but yeah, me neither. <laughs> but um, I do think that some of these names have clearly changed the landscape, right? I think Amazon is one of those countries. Call it a retailer. Call it a tech company. Call it combined. Whatever you want. Uh, but I think Amazon, like Apple, like Google, like Microsoft, you know, has has fundamentally. Uh, change kind of that space, so I, I'm good with it at the moment. But you know, maybe someday, like you said, maybe maybe there'll be a reckoning. But I don't see it right now. Well, I mean, they have everything going for them in the sense that they went out and got money at two and a half percent when nobody else could. They've got everything going for them. But at, at some point, uh, you know, unless you go with the theory that there's only going to be seven companies, you know, and maybe you're right with that. I'm not saying you do that. <laughs> with that theory i agree with you you can't go with that theory there's way too but there are way too many other good companies out there and a lot of those good companies are, are getting punished but i would i would uh, say right now right. that if, oh, if, partly because, well I, I would say right now that the kenny Polcari i know that if he if nvidia was at 309 instead of 409 you'd yep. say god why is it down 100 bucks but kenny Polcari would also say you know, <laughs> I can justify 309 just as easy as I can 409. I mean, it's not like these dudes are making $40 a share and sending you a check for 20 No. <laughs> yeah. No. They're, they're definitely not doing that. Yeah, I'm saying but. so there's no, there's no, you know, it's not like you and I are buying a six flat that's, that's kicking off 100 grand a year. We know exactly how to value it, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, no, no. And so, um, and so you're right. I, I do think that there's some, you know, the, the, you have to be cautious. Uh, but I also think you have to look at where we are and what's changing in the world and, and the companies that are helping to change it. I think NVIDIA, you know, it's a growth company. It's certainly, you're not buying it because of its dividend. Uh, you're buying yeah. it because of, of where you think the future is going to be and they're going to be part of it, right? Oh, now, I, I would agree with that, by the way. AMD. Listen, a, there's nothing wrong with AMD and their earnings are coming out, I think, tonight after the bell, aren't they? I think um, so, yeah. So I'm curious to hear what they have to say, AMD, because they're kind of in that same space and it's going to be interesting to see, and AMD's, you know, doesn't trade in dollars a share, but um, it'll be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting report to listen to. Well, I, I from my being there during the two thousand, which you were as well. Uh, I the thing that if I were to go, go back again and, and and try and value those companies before two thousand and make like a real lot of money, like I did the last time, instead yeah. of zeroing in on uh, the, the the Achilles heel, I think to these places and to the investors. One man's opinion, Kenny. Please tell me I'm nuts. Everybody else does. Uh, it's, instead of looking at, at uh, earnings per share, the PE, if you're growing and you, and you are you know, an NVIDIA and you've got something other people allegedly don't have, although there's disputes on that too, uh, I, almost, I almost don't give a crap what the PE ratio is. Like you, right. I'm saying, if it's part of the future and part of something, the part that I look at, I'm starting to look at, which I should have looked at before 2000, we start talking about uh, revenue per share. When that's when that gets over 
10 or 12, I don't care who, who you are. I mean, you, you could be railroads or TV for the first day. When you start getting over 10, 15, 20 dollars a share, or 10, 10 to 15 uh, revenue per share, 10 times, like like uh, when Cisco traded, like, I didn't care if they make money in 2000, but when they traded 66 and the revenue per share was 5, yeah. I, sh- I should have realized they're in trouble. I mean, it, that's just too friggin' high. And some of these companies now are, are there, maybe even worse. You know, to Correct. where you know it's. I mean, even if you, even if you had a hundred percent margin, it's not very much money you're making, right? And that and that that, I, that to me is a danger zone. Is the revenue per share, not the not the earnings per share, and you really don't hear anybody talk about that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, they should be talking about it, right? Because to your point, um, that's really that takes us back to old schools. You got to really be talking about what the fundamentals and what's driving it. And I think a lot of this stuff is getting caught up, certainly in the excitement. I get it, um, and and sometimes it even becomes it even becomes to your point. H- how do you really value it? What are we really talking about? Yeah. But I- I'm still in the camp that I think some of these names are in fact in that space that's changing the world we've seen it happen we've seen it happen and so you have to be you have to be part of it now you shouldn't necessarily be way overweighted right i mean listen you you should have exposure to it but you should be way overweighted it should not be a position that's gonna you know if it it turns bad it's gonna nail you but you should you need to absolutely have exposure to it well the thing that makes me especially sensitive to it is i i don't have to school you on this because you're going to keep it the right size but right. the, a lot of the retail people that I talk to about maybe managing their money and stuff, if they love a stock right. and it's made right. of money, you can guarantee it's way yeah. overweighted. And they're, they're way pushed. overweighted, and yeah. that, you're exactly right, and that's part of the problem. You see, that's part of the education process. Either people want to learn or they want to at least ask questions, they want to understand. But if they don't, they're way overweighted, and then when it turns against them, they, they all start screaming, right? And, yeah. and so partly they're their own worst enemy is the point. Because they're not properly weighting it, you know, in a they don't have a portfolio that's properly weighted across a diverse set of names that would prevent some of that. But the companies you're talking about have been life changing, wealth changing experiences yes. for a lot of these people. Yes, so they have. You I mean, mean, look what Apple has done in terms of creating and generating wealth for you know so many Americans, whether they're working at Apple or they're just investing in Apple. When you think about it, right? I mean, it's 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 it's. It's mind-boggling the amount of wealth that Apple has created for people. Well, but try and talk somebody out of a share of Apple if it's seventy percent of their portfolio. Not going to happen. Well, <laughs> and trust me, and I get a couple of those that it is because they because they love it so much. But then what you have to do is you have to protect against it, right? So you have to. If they don't really want to if they don't really want to sell their Apple because they're married to it, then you have to figure out a ways to protect them against uh, a, a significant decline. Well, yeah, and that's that's tough as well. And, uh, Kenny, take it care is. of yourself, buddy. Uh, have a nice week, as usual. You guys got you guys got good weather. We're going to be snow and wind on Halloween. I don't know. You're a tough guy. Would you have gone out trick-or-treating in 20-mile-an-hour wind and snow? I don't know if I would have. Uh, I probably would not. No, I probably would not. But down here, we're going to be about uh, 75, 80 degrees. The sky is blue. It's sunny out. We're coming at, that, we're at the end of uh, hurricane season. So now we're coming into the really nice part of the year. So uh, you should come on down. This is the one month of the year you want to live in Florida? <laughs> no, I want to live here for, I, I really want to live here at least for the next six months until, you know, next April when the weather's beautiful. And then the summer, listen, the summer gets hot. I hear you, but it is what it is, right? Yep. But the next six months in Florida is going to be beautiful. Well, enjoy it, and hopefully I'll see you soon, bud. SP Futures up eight, and SP Futures up six. We're kind of leaking here a little bit. 
Be right back, Professor Helsner. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board and in studio. SP Futures up 10, as if he was up 16. So it looks like we're heading up two days in a row here, but we were up a little more a little while ago. Do we have the professor? I don't hear him. Do we have Mr. Hal? I don't hear Greg either. Uh, I'm he- I'm here with you. Well, there, hell, hell, there yeah. you are. Yeah, I'm on. I had I, I have you on my phone instead of uh, my laptop. <laughs> well, we're we're la- we're lap- laptop, laptop kind of guys, you know, laptop kind of guys. In the uh, so you're on the uh, uh, so what's what's going on in the world? I uh, have been trying to um, do an economic uh, assessment of what's I mean, really for the last several weeks of what's going on in the, in, in the uh, Middle East, and I use it almost precursors to unrest, um, and, and all the places that are kind of a mess with people not having a job and nothing else to do all day, and other people dying to arm them to cause trouble. I don't, I don't know how those things like that don't end up becoming a powder keg. I, I really I don't, I don't. It's like, you know, it's like, let's put it this way. When, when males age 25 don't have something to do all day, there's a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, I uh, definitely agree with that. Let, let me yeah. uh, get my uh, Zoom fixed. Why don't you fix your Zoom? I hate it when my Zoom is unfixed. <laughs> Are you good? All right, there I am. All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah. Sorry I, about that. I uh, I thought I was on the laptop, but then I was on my phone, and my phone was locked out, and I got like a, a 16-digit uh, PIN number for my, my phone. <laughs> oh, God. I hate it when... We- well, you know... Uh, Economic wars um, usually beget uh, bombs and bullet wars, right? Yep. You guys were talking about. Uh, um, I, you guys were mentioning, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor, and uh, we were at war with the Japanese prior to them bombing World uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. So, um, and I, and I see government. You look, you look at what the World Economic Forum wants to do. You look at what our government does, and it and it see, and what it does to China. And it seems like all these policies create an artificial scarcity. And when, you, when things are scarcer than what they would be otherwise, prices are higher, opportunity is less, unemployment would be higher than it normally would be. Um, and you get things like uh, what's going on in, in Gaza. And I think we gotta be really careful with uh, what's going on in Gaza and Israel. Um, I, I think people who tend to support um, 
the two-state solution with uh, with Palestine having its own government and uh, living next to Israel, I think they tend to kind of conflate on purpose Palestinians, regular Palestinians, and Hamas. Hamas is brutal, yeah, a brutal regime. And so I think when we're talking about that conflict, we have to separate the Palestinian people from Hamas. And now the Palestinian people might be siding with Hamas because of the economic situation. You got 50% well, that's, that's, unemployment I'm that's, from what I can see. I'm saying that's why they got elected, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's why... Yeah, that's why the, the that's people why in I Hamas, why, I mean, yeah. the people in uh, Gaza, uh, there's not any... There's no opportunity there. Now, Hamas is not helping the situation. No. Right? Yeah. There, There's no property rights there. I mean, my, my goodness, the that strip of land is on the Mediterranean Ocean or the Mediterranean Sea. And if they had property rights, maybe investors come in and create opportunity for people. But that's not the goal of Hamas. The goal of Hamas is to dig tunnels and and uh, I think kill all the Jews. I mean, that's what they say, right? Right. I don't think the Palestinians themselves uh, would agree with that uh, if there were opportunities, right? But, you know, Hamas is very good. You know, uh, Israel's the big, bad, evil uh, uh, country. They can offload all their issues onto the, the Jews in Israel. And the Palestinians, I think they just want to live like regular Americans. They want to live with some prosperity and, and opportunity and hope. And uh, and what's going on there is just beyond help. And I think I think the Palestinian people need to stop listening to Hamas. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. but, but, and I, but I think the again, world needs to stop listening to Hamas because I mean they're just they're they're uh, pumping out all kinds of propaganda. I guess, right? I guess my... and the propaganda is so good that we equate Israel defending itself and bombing Hamas with Hamas killing and raping people at that peace um, concert oh, yeah. and then raping and, and behead, be, beheading babies. So I mean I think we have to be really careful that we separate Hamas. From the Palestinian well, people. Well, that, that's, I would say, that if there's a there's a split in the in the politics and the direction of the U.S. right now and the government of Israel. This is this is a grossly, I the couple generals. Now, this isn't everybody in Israel, of course. They are equating because the Palestinian group elected Hamas to run the place. They're essentially equating all Palestinians with Hamas. And, yeah, and, and I think and, that's a mistake. Yeah, and and Joe Biden, our president, whether like him or don't, I actually think he's done a pretty good job in this whole mess. And people can say, ah, he's been too easy on Iran. Whatever you can, if you don't like the guy, you can find a million things because they do a million different things. I don't really like him either, but I'm saying I think they've handled. He basically said, Palestine Palestinians are not all Hamas. So we have our president essentially saying our policy is everybody in the in Gaza, every Palestinian is not Hamas. And I would say that's exactly my policy. I think it's yours. I think it's most Americans' policy. Yeah. But I think what you and I are maybe not fully understanding, because we're never going to totally understand the whole situation, is the reason why Mussolini got in, the reason why Lenin got in, the reason why Hitler got in, not because they love the man's deepest thoughts about killing people. They got in because of economic hardship. Yeah, they were promised a better economic way to go. And by the yeah. way, all those guys did give that con- their their respective countries a better economic way to go than they were in before they got there. Well, and- Lenin Lenin did preside over a uh, 
his policies made the inflation that was going on in Russia worse. And but then he, he changed his credit, it. he kind of backed away. Yeah, he backed away totally. Yeah, he backed away totally from that. And uh, but then Stalin replaces Lenin, and you know the uh, the benevolent dictator. Let's call Lenin a benevolent dictator. You know, relatively speaking, compared to Stalin. Well, Stalin was a brutal. Uh, the benevolent dictator always usually uh, is followed by some brutal, um, monstrous dictator, and that's why we should um, oppose um, strong men in these positions of power. And I, I think with uh, Hamas, there, I'm going to be blunt here. There's no two-state solution if Hamas is going to run. Oh, without a doubt. Without there, a there doubt. is no two-state solution because they don't want a two-state solution. No. They're not interested in land. If you listen to the rhetoric and you listen to the Iranian rhetoric, they want to kill all Jews. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a two-state solution and that second state being headed by Hamas... It's not a two-state solution. It's no. a one-state solution with yeah. the annihilation of the Jews in Israel. Well, but, then but there is a two. There is a two-state solution if we can establish property rights uh, in the Gaza Strip. If we can establish property rights with an, a government that will respect property rights, I think there is a two-state solution in Hamas. I do too. Will not be the government running it. Well, remember, I don't know if you're a, a, a Star Trek. Uh aficionado and one of the greatest lines I think from Spock was they had this guy who had he was, he was sort of like a hippie I don't know in his place but he was preaching like all this revolution and stuff in this area where everything was all messed up one planet they were on and he said to Spock uh, well Mr. Spock you agree with me don't you and he said no I said I understood you I didn't say I agreed with you there's a big difference <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think if you make the economic situation I don't I don't believe Hamas has any right to be around to try and get rid of the people next to them. But I'm saying if, if you if you have a place like Gaza, like the West Bank, like the Baca Valley, like Germany in the twenties, like Italy in the twenties, you 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 individually, the situation creates these people. And and somebody always somebody some ass always ri- rises or a group of asses always ride out of the carnage and end up taking charge. And by by letting these things fester year after year after year, I mean, same thing in Lebanon, same thing in Syria, yeah. same thing in, 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 in uh, if, if there isn't, I'm not saying this is our job, but if there isn't somewhat of a, of a fix there, don't think for the next 50 years you're not going to continually have problems out of Syria. How could you not, right? I'm not you know, so- the funny, funny thing is I was listening to you guys talk about this topic in uh, – no, we're not. West Bank things are fine, right? Northern Lebanon, or oh, there, Northern Israel, there, Southern Lebanon we, are fine. We haven't heard that they aren't, but that it doesn't mean well, they're yeah. fine. But did you know that the West Bank unemployment rate uh, was fourteen point nine percent, which is still, and Gaza's was forty three percent. Yeah, it's worse. Right, that that right there tells all, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, the only difference is Hitler actually was pretty good at getting the economy back together. In fact, yeah. I, I read I read this thing, and I. I I'm obviously no fan, but that, these uh, there were there was some well there was a, a History Channel thing I saw where um, they were rating you know why German people like the guy up uh, for a while anyway, and one guy says what are you talking about if somebody would have assassinated him early in 1939, he would have been one of the best rulers in the 20th century. He got Germany out of the recession you know maybe brutally uh, way faster. 
it, than than anybody else. Certainly here. I mean, if they their progression from the day he took office to the day he started all the wartime crap was dramatically better than anybody else's. And you know, economically. So yeah, he he was a hero for a while, and, and, yeah. and then of course he wrecked the world. Uh, yeah. But I mean, he he. He was predetermined to do that before. I mean, he hated everybody, and he was just some de- a deprived, de- deranged man. But don't think he didn't have a, a skill set, right? Oh yeah, uh, Mussolini made the trains run on time, yeah, right? Yeah, so, uh, but but I think government leaders can do some stuff in the short run. Well, but I'm <laughs> but saying I think what happens to a guy like Hitler is uh, he starts believing that he is oh, without a doubt a God not, because nobody can question him. What I'm saying is, don't think for a second. When there's a million gangs running around Italy and a million gangs running around Germany in 1924, yeah. and the place is an absolute bleep hole, and all of a sudden yeah. one guy comes to the top, don't underestimate their ability to do something, right? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm that's, saying they're good the people. Of the world yeah, right there. yeah, yeah. I mean, even even I I I can't stand the man in any stretch of the imagination, Trump. But don't think for a second he does not have a skill set. Yeah, he became one of what 45 presidents ever. Don't think for a second that these guys don't have a feel for people and don't and don't get people. When you get people to follow you like that, you have a skill set, right? Yeah. But I mean, the thing that's weird is the more I read about the depression in this country, everybody just blows over the fact that, oh yeah, we had a rough time for a while and everything was okay. It was it was sort of not okay here. There were there were a lot of leanings towards, is this government the right one? Fortunately, nobody ever did anything. Maybe it was too poor to do anything. But there was a lot of think, people thinking, hey, this capitalism ain't working so hot, right? Thank God you know, we pulled out of it fast enough before anything crazy happened. But it wasn't like people weren't thinking other things, were they? Uh, well, I would, I would, I, I think if you look at the uh, 10 tenets of uh, Marxism in uh, Engels and uh, Marx's uh, uh, manifesto, there's about seven of the 10 that are pretty present in the United States today. So um, we think we live in a free society. Oh, we do not. We, we think we, we, yeah, we think we live in a, a market system. We don't live in a market system. The, what we live in right now is an illusion of a market system. There, there's so much control and regulation and theft. And, I, and I'm talking theft as legalized theft where government takes my property, my the fruits of my labor, and takes it without my consent and uses it to create wars and give billionaires subsidy. Well, they, they, so they, they, they we, take, we, they, we think we live in a free society, but it's, it's an illusion. We don't live in a market system. I, I would say our system is borderline soft core uh, socialist uh, uh, slash neo mercantilist. Uh, I would say crony capitalism, Ed. Yeah, I think crony capitalism is a close synonym for what I'm I'm describing. You're, well, you're but, saying, I mean, you that, without you saying it directly, what, uh, these you're saying, corporations saying, do yeah. is they lobby government for protections from their competitors, and that's not market. That's not a market system. What you're saying, without well, you are. Saying, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying. You're saying that there's no difference really between government and Commonwealth Edison, government and Pfizer, government and Microsoft, there's really not no. Gover- they're, they're basically government and Boeing. They're all agencies. they're all same. They're all saying. Yeah. They couldn't exist. They couldn't have that, that type of largesse. They couldn't have that size without their, their nose up the ass of government, basically. Yeah, you know, you look at EasyPass. I mean, if EasyPass faced a competitor, 
on uh, payment processing for the 95 uh, toll roads from uh, New York down to D.C., maybe into Virginia a little bit. If EasyPass faced a customer, what do you mean they're they here? Get away with they're here. Things they're that Illinois. they do. They're all over Illinois. They're the only. One, they're gonna be the only one around anywhere, are they? Yeah, they, they can do the. They can get away with the things that they do. I remember we put the EasyPass in our van with my mother-in-law, and it was empty. And we tried putting money on it. The money wasn't available for four days, and it took us an hour and a half to get a hold of somebody. Meanwhile, we're being dinged on Interstate 95, the the the, the interstate that goes from New York through DC and whatnot. We're getting dinged for uh, not having an easy pass. They didn't make the funds available for four days, and it took an hour and a half to talk to a human being. Well, you can't talk to anybody ever, no matter what the company is these days. Well, but that that's because EasyPass has the monopoly on payment processing uh, on the turnpike, on the turnpikes in the Northeast. You know, I've never right? had that issue here. Whenever, whenever I run up against my the forty buck deposits, they just take another forty bucks. Well, yeah, but this is before we got our Easy Pass. And my mother-in-law doesn't drive very much, so her Easy Pass was depleted, and we needed to load it up. And we, I didn't realize it wasn't loaded until we got in the car, and we went through our first toll, and it said uh, no balance, right? So we called Easy Pass while we're on the 95, trying to get money added to it, so we don't get you know a $30 bill instead of a $5 bill, right? Because when they when they do the mail-in. They added a they add a fee, right? It's called a toll violation. Oh, really? So we were trying to add money to it at that moment in time, and they were telling us that it would be four days before the funds would be available. Meanwhile, we're hitting these uh, tolls with these uh, toll violations all the way down ninety five to Florida. Well, I mean, here uh, the only other than just using it, the only thing I had with them is they sent me a a thing saying uh, my, I had to bring my pass in was like 10 years or 5 years or whatever. I had to go into the store and get a new one and they said, you know, go to the website and blah, blah, blah. And I put my uh, driver's license number in there and everything popped out. It was, you know, how much do you want to put in the deposit and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was actually fairly easy to do it. I just walked in a jewel store and it was there a minute in line. They gave me a new one and I was off, off to the races. I, well, I, now with our vehicles being in New York, we have an easy pass. And we have both of our vehicles on it. So when we drive the our little uh, white car around, and we're going to hit the battery tunnel. We make sure we have the Easy Pass with us, and we can just flip back and forth with it. But at the time, I didn't know, and I was really shocked that it took four days for those funds to be released. Meanwhile, we're in Florida by the time those funds were released, so it was really expensive to yeah, drive down. Yeah, because right? mine, mine just now. Pop- now I know, right? Now I know. Well, mine pops on my American Express, and they they give them the money right away. I think. Yeah. Whatever. Well, now I have it set up where I have. Um, a threshold of ten dollars. Whenever it gets down to ten dollars, it automatically uh, adds twenty-five bucks to it. So right. that's well, what I have it set at now. So they get, you, they get you through the, to- the they get you to New York what one time? <laughs> What's the toll? Twelve bucks? Oh man! Well, in a motorhome, it was uh, you know back in two thousand nineteen or eighteen, it was like uh, I don't know fifty bucks to cross Staten Island in well, a motorhome. Well, the Chicago Skyway here is up to six eighty. Mm. Out of all all the investments, and this is before Greg's time, out of all the investments that I didn't make, that I was gonna I was gonna make one of these days, gonna make one of these days, I never did, because I didn't have clients in those days. I don't think they would have gone with this. But the the Chicago Skyway, a little bit of history here, Greg. I don't know you're from Chicago, and was built in the late fifties, I'm gonna say, and it was a way to get from Chicago to the Indiana Toll Road, 
basically over the east side without having to go you know down through city streets so you could get from here to indiana new york uh, east whatever using the chicago skyway so they built this thing and it's a big huge bridge because the big sailboats can you know boats can go under it and uh hence the name skyway and right at a couple years later they build the dan ryan expressway which is free where skyway is toll right it wasn't much of a toll but it was toll and two miles away they build a, f- a freeway essentially to compete with it so the thing never paid if you bought bonds in the late 50s the bonds were still there and it, but it never never paid interest on the bonds ever right yeah. and they were like 30 year bond 35 whatever the hell they were uh maybe 40 years but they had chicago's name on them right and there's a when, when you go through municipal finance where's brendan when i need him there's a term you use where if, if Chicago, for instance, puts in a sewer plant, and it's, you know, Chicago Southside Sewer Plant, it might actually be separate bonds for that sewer plant. But if the uh, sewer plant doesn't make the kind of money that they expected it to make, maybe it's not paying interest or whatever, but for that thing to go under and just, you know, totally renege on the bonds, it's got Chicago's name on it. So they, they probably won't let it happen, right, even though so all of a sudden... They decide they're going to sell the Skyway to somebody. This is it's revenue bonds versus general obligations, right? right? Well, but it's not. It's not one has but, to be voted on; the other doesn't. But there's there's a there's a term that says you have a you, you have a some sort of a the Skyway was probably a revenue. Yeah, bond. but it was some sort. You have some sort of an obligation because you don't want anything that the city does to just say you're not getting a penny back, right? Right. The GOs the GOs are backed by the the city. Right. The revenue bonds are supposed to be backed by the right. the asset. And they might they The might, revenue bonds probably act a little more like a stock with a dividend, right? Right. You you get But I'm saying all of a sudden these things were trading forever for 20 cents on the buck for years. And I'm sitting there thinking one of these days you know, they're going to do something with this thing and they're going to pay this off. And I uh of course, I didn't know where the hell they were trading. I would have had to dig, dig, dig. I'm sure they were trading you know, by appointment someplace. All of a sudden, one day, they sell the Skyway to some people. And, uh, you know, the toll at the time was like 40 cents. They paid all the bonds off 100%, and now the toll is 680. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, doesn't it basically work as an HOV lane? A what? Uh, doesn't it work as basically an HOV lane? You have the HOV lane, right? Where, like in Utah, you have an HOV lane, but you have to pay a toll to be in the HOV lane. No, it's a totally or separate. You have to have two plus people. No, it's a totally separate expressway. It's not. I know, but yeah. it, it essentially works since it's parallel to the quote unquote free interstate. Yeah. Since it's parallel and it's a few miles away, people not wanting to pay the toll will take the the quote unquote freeway. Yeah. Instead of that uh, skyway, so the skyway is essentially a HOV lane for that interstate right? with two miles in between, right? So if you're a wealthy person, if you're up a upper income person, you don't mind paying the six-star toll because you get a more of a, a free flow over that. Well, so it's, uh, a much safer, over it's a much safer ride. You're not dodging 90-mile-an-hour yeah. trucks. I mean, your chance yeah. of surviving a trip over the Skyway versus the, the Borman is, you know, it's got to be 10 yeah. times. So, so some people are willing to pay that, that toll yeah. and able to pay that toll. And they're probably on the upper end of the income bracket, so it's a really nice highway. But what for you end up with in the top seventy yeah, percent, you never, I mean, you rarely see a truck because I think the trucks are yeah. what fifty bucks, right? Yeah, at least for a truck to yeah. get through a, a semi. So, yeah. so the semis so are I, all on the freeway. 
So it's essentially a parkway or an HOV yeah. lane for that interstate system. It's a it's a one percent or it's a it's a twenty percent road. <laughs> yeah, twenty percent road. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I mean, if you if so, if if you are commuting to downtown Chicago, say from Hammond, you got to get on the Indiana toll road, and that's maybe a buck and a half. This thing's six eighty, so you're talking almost seventeen dollars a day in tolls, and then it's going to cost you another twenty five to park downtown. You're up, you're up to pushing forty bucks a day just to come down here to work. Yeah, and if you're that's not, if that's if not if gas in the top twenty percent, yeah. but it's not the top gas. You don't mind paying it. Well, but a lot of people from Hammond are not in the top twenty percent. They're the yeah, worker bees. Yeah, yeah. Or you take the South Shore, which of course hasn't been running for two years because they're redoing that. You know, so it's a, it's kind of a they, they they've done everything they possibly could to strangle strangle the city. Yeah. Well, they're doing the same thing in New York City. They're going to roll out a toll that will charge everybody during peak hours during the middle of the day like 30 bucks to go to manhattan right now if you if you pay a toll you're paying a toll in the battery tunnel which is i think like seven dollars right they want they want to toll every car going into manhattan during the peak hours like 30 bucks and they think that's going to raise 15 billion dollars in revenue it's not going to raise 15 billion dollars in revenue because you're taking the price from basically zero if you take the brooklyn bridge or the manhattan bridge you're taking it from zero to $30, right? And uh, they're on the wrong side of the revenue curve on that one. It's it's not, it's not going to raise $15 billion. You can, you what can, it'll do is it'll, it'll choke off the businesses. Um, it'll, it'll choke off businesses because people will decide, well, I mean, can a family of four ride the subway inexpensively into Manhattan? No, because that's, you know, three bucks a person. That's 12 bucks in, 12 bucks out. That's why they were driving. So what this what this congestion tolling will do, it'll discourage families of three or four or more from even going into Manhattan because you can't ride the subway and now you can't drive your car because once you drive your car there you got to find a place to park. Well, you can't. And parking you, there is extremely you, expensive, so it's going to really choke off businesses. Well, you can't get into New York from the mainland without paying a toll, right? Yeah. Well, from Brooklyn you can get to Manhattan without right, paying but Brooklyn, a toll. Brooklyn's New York. Yeah, yeah, but I think Staten Island—you got to pay either you got to pay the ferry to get into Manhattan, or you got to pay to cross the Verrazano Bridge to get into Manhattan. So Staten Island is kind of different, right? Right, but I'm saying, one, but once you're in the once you're in the Brooklyn, you're in New York. Yeah. It's like it's like paying a toll to get from the north side to downtown here. Yeah, they want to toll it. Yeah, they, don't, they want to toll it, and they're, they're going to think they're going to raise fifteen billion dollars in, in well, revenue. Nobody ever, I think nobody what ever... they're going to do is they're going to choke off businesses. I mean, a, per, a single person going in Manhattan on the subway is no big deal. It's six bucks in and out, right? You don't have to park. But a family of four or more, right? That's three bucks. That's six dollars per person in and out, right? So don't your kids? What do families do? They drive in. Yeah, but don't your kids? And have they must pay a toll. They just got to find parking. Don't your kids so you have can a choke it all off? Wait a minute. Don't your kids have a student card? Well, um, the student card doesn't work outside of student hour, uh, school hours. Oh, really? Like, so and I. Try to use a student card coming back from a church event on a Friday night, and it said uh, invalid time period or something. Oh, really? So it only, it only works during the school hours. Well, so what's the cutoff? Is a five-year-old? What's an adult? Well, my mother-in-law, whenever we ride the subway with my, my mother-in-law, she's a New Yorker, and she tells our um, our uh, fourth graders to go underneath the turnstile. So we can walk and under I'm the turnstile. I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder for, uh, you know, MTA cops. <laughs> well, so if you can walk under the turnstile, you're young enough. Is that the deal? Yeah, but I think you have to be under a certain height to be able to do that. 
and I think our kids are all too tall um, for that free ride. Well, you can yeah. duck. <laughs> yeah. Or you go over to third style like all the other people do. Whatever. <laughs> I, I see guys, you know, that are 30. 35, 40 that are jumping turns. You know, I, think I, I, st- pay. I think I still have a couple. I don't, don't of... want to be on a video where I'm getting beat up by an MTA cop. I still have a couple of tokens. Are they good? No, they're. I, I have. Uh, I have. Uh, they have this OmniPay now. You can either use your phone. You, you, you can have your phone set up as a credit card. So you can either tap your phone or tap your debit card. I tap my debit card. So there's no tokens. Well, they have. Uh, they have the Metro card, a, right. a cardboard piece of paper, and I can just imagine. How much money? Because those things, you know, when you get to like thirty cents or eighty cents, it's really hard to use the last eighty cents of a metro card. Yeah, you got to keep putting more money. Ima- on it. Yeah, I can just imagine those things floating around the city. There's probably millions of dollars in unused metro cards. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> S&P futures only up eight, and as the futures up fifteen, come back. We talk a little more about investing in a in a world gone crazy here because it's it's kind of hard to do. Get Val's or Hal's take on that. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom we have Greg Pappas on the board, and we have Hal Snar with us on the Zoom. SP futures up 10, NASDAQ futures up 19. Um, we have Dow futures up 65. That's even even with Caterpillar down uh, 1262 as they came out with earnings. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a I'm gonna ask, ask uh, Hal and and uh, Greg when we get back here when I'm done with this and when Greg's done with as to why it seems like I got the straddle uh, last night and Caterpillar was. Uh, or I think started at uh, 240. I got the straddle at 12 bucks. Actually, the stock moved 12 bucks, so the straddle was right. It has been the stocks have been moving more than the market has been uh, seemingly in, calling for for the last several months, which is really kind of hot. But ask these guys why that is. Over in Europe, we got the uh, DAX up 104.7 percent. We got the FTSE up 35.5 percent. CAC around up 76. It's all full 1%. Uh, BP is down 4%. They had earnings yesterday as well. Let me kick BP up here to see exactly what it's doing. I will do that. Uh, got BP down a, it's only down a buck 50. It's next rate 36.85. It's not horrible. Uh, but as an oil company, they aren't doing as well as you think they would be uh, with wars all over the place. Nikkei up 161.5%. Hang Seng, however, down 293. 
It's 1.7 percent. It's making a dive towards 17,000 again. 17,112. Shanghai down two. Call that one flat. So we've got Hang Seng down 1.7 percent. We've got mainland China almost unchanged. It's pretty odd too. Yesterday, huge rally. Dow was up 511. S&P up 49. Nasdaq up 146. The Dow was the leader there. Uh, bonds. Uh, we've got the Fed meeting starting today. The announcement tomorrow. We're down five basis points to 4.83. So people must be, I don't know what they're thinking. They think they're going to pause forever or whatever. The Bund uh, down six basis points, 2.75. This, however, Japan is up six basis points at 0.95. I think officially, we'll get this from Greg after he does his stuff, that this Bank of Japan wants high here to be 0.5. Well, they're well past 0.5, so I don't know what that means policy-wise for those guys. Oil up 38 cents, 82.69. Brent up 61 cents, 88.06. Natural gas up five cents, three forty. Arbob up a penny, two twenty-three. Arbob is uh, really high compared compared to what you're paying at the pump uh, these days. Uh, three forty-seven is what I paid the other day, and tax is like ninety cents, so that doesn't leave a whole lot for profit. Gold up five bucks, two thousand and ten. Silver down two cents. Silver a big move yesterday, up twenty-three thirty-seven. Copper unchanged, 365. We've got crypto down 235. Call that flat, 34,414. When I say crypto, I mean Bitcoin. We have the U.S. dollar. is uh, It was uh, down a little earlier. Now it's kind of mixed. It's uh, down a little against the uh, euro. Euro's at 106, and it's up slightly against the pound at 121. So not much going on there. Greg, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. A lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff. Good morning, everyone. 735 here. Chicago, 29 degrees. 37 today, snowy and cold. Uh, Happy Halloween. Phoenix, 55 degrees right now. 82 today. Plenty of sun there. Traffic inbound Kennedy. Montrose to the interchange, 35 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook is 71 minutes. Ike from Wolf, 37 minutes. Inbound Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 26 minutes. And the inbound Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 41 minutes. Sports, NBA, Bulls win at Pacers, 112-105. NFL, Lions beat the Raiders at home last night, uh, 26-14. And MLB, the World Series, the Rangers beat the Diamondbacks 3-1. The series is now 2-1 Texas. That's all I got, Chief. So what if you were to match up two things you said? What if Chicago actually had somebody in the World Series? What do you think would be like playing a World Series game tonight with snow and 20-mile wind and 32 degrees? They'd probably be barking for a dome. Um, Yeah, but you're not going to get one by tonight. (laughs) Yeah, that would be be a true test of kind of strategy and what to do if you're... If you're, uh, well, did you watch the Bulls? Freeze. What's your uh, real quick take before we uh, move on to com- some commodities here? Real quick take on are the are the Bulls horribly coached or totally uncoachable? Um, I I would say they're just you know bad luck. I don't think it's terrible coaching. I don't think it's terrible players. They're just just not that not that good at. Um, What's it called? Mingling, or it, it doesn't flow well. Right, they don't so uh, merge. Don't yeah, if you're, they probably, I would guess, they're probably not friends off the court, and they're, <laughs> they don't really look to find each other on the court. The they, they don't seem to have complementary players of some kind. They just, they, they look like they're totally disarray out there. Yeah, they used to play basketball four nights a week, and they just look like they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, you it's, know. it, it should be that's. That's hard to watch, but 
you know, the younger players and and the uh, what is it? The shooting guards aren't well. They're, in, they're everybody's in love with the three point guards. play. The other night, hell, Stacy King does the uh, and he does a real nice job. The announcer like Stacy. He the other night they got a, a simple three on two, and I know I think you coach basketball, don't you? Or have uh, and he go and one guy runs out to the corner and he throws him the ball and he, and he airballs this three. And Stacy King goes, "It's a three on two break. You've, you've learned that since sixth grade." Get a layup. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you doing? It's it's a different world. I you know whatever. Vucevic really doesn't look like he wants to be there either. No, and he just pretty just signed an extension. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, he 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 gets the ball in the first half, and right. But I mean, he, it's so early, so who knows? But I mean, I mean it's but it hasn't changed since last year. He gets the ball in the first half. When they involve him in the offense, they actually look like they have an offense, and then second half. Uh, Levine, and to a certain extent, DeRose, but Levine's even worse. It's just one-on-one. First guy over half-court shoots. You can get that in any playground. Anyway, um, Hal, we were talking yesterday with uh, Mr. Greg Pappas. Uh, this wars, or the his, the recent history of the world, clearly been Greg did a real nice uh, uh, history yesterday of since the Ukraine, because um, I don't know who's had the questions, but since the Ukraine thing started, if you would have said five years ago, how long is the Ukraine thing? Three years ago. Okay, we're going to have a war in Ukraine. We're going to cut their grain production by X. By the way, we're going to have a war in the Middle East, or pretty close to it. Uh, We've got all kinds of these other things going on. We've got Iran causing trouble. We've got Russia, you know, losing all these people in Ukraine. You would have said, well, that's easy. Buy grains, buy oil. And, and maybe a few other things by, you know, Defense Department stocks, by this, blah, blah. None of those would have worked. Defense Departments would have worked last year, but then they went down, they've gone down this year straight down. They've up again the last couple of weeks. Nothing you would instinctually do essentially has worked. Now, why, why is that? Uh, well, I think I'm, I'm kind of, I've been thinking about this a lot. And one, I think there's lack of trust. I don't. I think most Americans are really skeptical of what government says post-pandemic, right? And on the uh, Bill Maher show, a professor from NYU was asking for um, forgiveness, or um, what was he asking for? Uh, a stay of execution, if you will, for all the mistakes that were made during the pandemic. So I think for us, is just collapse. And you know, I think it comes out of just government statistics that cannot be true. So I think that's one part of it. I mean, think about this, Tom. Did you look at the breakdown of the contributions to the the 4.9% increase in real GDP that the BEA released? The okay. largest component is consumer spending. It, it's up 3%. The other components that, that, are... That's year over year, right? Or, that's year over year? At or, yeah, year over year. The other components are at or below 1%. I think inventory investment is just over 1%. So maybe I'm reading the chart wrong, um, but how do you get a 4.9% real GDP increase when the largest component only increased by 3%? Uh, not with any kind of math I learned. Yeah, I mean, and then think about this. In that same report, the nominal GDP increased by 8.5%, which is what the money supply has been growing at using a geometric mean annually for the last 11 years, right? 
So I, I just don't understand how you can get almost 5% growth out of real GDP when the largest component is only growing at 3%. And nobody has asked that question. So I think trust is, I, I don't think people trust very, I think they trust very little what Congress says, and that has been a historical. But now, I don't think people really trust what's coming out of, I mean, if you're if, if you're a big fan of the current regime, you're, you're just, yeah, you're just cheerleading, right? Bill Maher said something really interesting yesterday I thought was funnier than heck. He says, uh, I got it right here on Twitter. Um, he said something like, yeah, we elect this, I don't know if he's talking about Trump or he's talking about Biden, but it can apply to either one. Uh, he said, um, he said that we we elect this. Uh, the United States is like a European uh, dynasty, where they install this five-year-old to be king. <laughs> and you know, if you're if uh, you're a courtier, if you're a court jester or a member of the court, you have to just applaud everything this or, uh, this toddler says. Right? It was yeah. pretty funny. And I think that happens when the courtiers are Republicans and the president is Trump, or when the courtiers are Democrats or members of the mainstream media and their five-year-old toddler king is Biden. So I, I think Bill Maher, I didn't see the clip. I just saw the quotation. I think he was just applying it to the last two presidents. I don't think we've had anybody... I'm going to say, I, don't, I mean, it, I, don't, I don't know how you can be really in charge. I mean, the, the job is so yeah. big. If you, It has to do with, I mean, I, we have all kinds of stuff going on in Illinois, the city and the state and, and in all the federal government. I just, it seems to me that these guys are, are victims of incompetency below them at every level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when the... When the I, well, I think the reason why that is because I think the incompetency is just a part of government because government is a monopoly. They have a monopoly of force. They have no competitor. And, uh, and you know, is anybody making a horrible decision within the State Department or the Defense Department going to lose their job over those no. horrible decisions? Probably not. I, mean, well, we had a, I don't know if you listened so, yesterday. We had a, uh, Mike Murphy was on, and Mike's been really helping us out for sort of soccer because I don't know much about soccer, but now he's a retired, uh, was an Army intelligence guy. And, and Mike and I have been friends for, <laughs> I don't want to say how long, but uh, good guy, and, he, and he's really helped us out in the show, and I thank him for it if he's listening. Uh, he was talking yesterday about he can't, he can't stand it when people say, even, even now with uh, what went on, and we, you just talked about it, first half hour. You said why all of a sudden these, these guys didn't understand that this raid, raid, whatever you want to call it, incursion, invasion yeah. by Hamas, wasn't going to be as big as it was, and and Mike took huge umbrage yesterday with somebody using the term an intelligence failure. He goes, there's very, of course he's in intelligence, he goes, but he goes, there's very seldom an intelligence failure. It's it's somebody ignoring what intelligence told them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I mean it's like, you know, somebody knew. I won't say we, I and mean, I sure as hell don't think Bush knew. There are a bunch of idiots running around taking plane uh, lessons and didn't worry about landing the damn thing. Yet it was on some, yeah. it was on some buffoon's desk. It yeah. stayed there. Well, I mean that happens with the FBI and these mass shooters. I mean, the, the people that are going around with these mass shootings that are, I mean, they're posting stuff on Facebook. I post something that is critical 
uh, a pandemic policy on Twitter and I'm silenced and my, my followers go from 700 to 500. Yeah. I mean, come on. Somebody in the FBI was listening to this guy's social media posts. You know, these shooters, I mean, come on. Well, Somebody's to... not acting on it, right? Well, Somebody's not acting on it. And I think you're right. Somebody's not acting on the intelligence. Well, but even even simple stuff like yesterday I mentioned when, when people say well, we we declared war on, on uh, terrorism. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't, you can't what, what is, is, is terror, I mean, terrorism is, is, is a descriptive noun, right? You can't declare yeah. war. You can only declare war on people. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you can declare war on terrorists, you know, yeah. and you can identify people that, that are such a thing and are, and are doing all kinds of stuff to break down polite society if there is such a thing. But you can't have this, this pie-in-the-sky word called terrorism where you go after everybody that doesn't agree with you politically. That's not that's not exactly terrorism. You know, and we have more people worried about people not believing them or agreeing with them politically than we do actually harming us. I mean, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if you drop somebody into this. I mean, Trump I'm no fan of, but if, if there actually was an outside guy, uh, I would say maybe an Elliot Spitzer sort, of course he's you know, up and you know, he's not doing stuff anymore. Uh, plus, he's a felon. Uh, but I mean, if we had, if we dropped Solomon here from heaven, if, if there is such a place, and if there is such a guy, we drop him. Nobody's going to pay attention to him. How the how how would you? I often, you know, sometimes when you're driving along, you have nothing to think about. What would it take for somebody to become a president now and actually change the tone? You'd have to act totally different. I, I mean, you would have to show up at the. You know, I, there's the areas that I'm fairly strong in, or like SEC stuff and everything. I would have to drop in at the meeting and say, "Okay, what is your what is your guys' top things you're trying to accomplish the next few years?" Now, this is inappropriate for a president to do that, but maybe you'd have to. And they say, well, "We're going to do these five things," and I'm going to say, "I don't want you doing any of those five things. All those things are are acting to do just big people, and you're going after small people, and we want more competition, not less." They would look at me like I had five heads. And the, and the only yeah. way that I would get anywhere is to be like Wolf, Wilford Brimley in uh, The Absence of Malice. Pull out about ten resignations and say, put your name on the bottom of every one of them get the hell out of here. I'm starting over. I don't, I don't think it's possible for anybody, no matter who you are, unless, first of all, if you ran from the outside as a third party, you'd have to have ten senators and probably thirty representatives with you because you'd need some toehold in those places. I don't see anybody doing that. The two parties... We'll find something wrong with you. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll find you on camera doing God knows what or whatever, or saying something in the show five years ago or something. I don't. I think. I think we're as much as you like to be conspiracy theorists. Our government, hell, I don't think you're far enough. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think that the, it is amazingly, the money is is very well closed inside, and they, and they like they like everybody fighting over the buffoons that actually are holding the office. But, I mean, if somebody actually was in there and tried to do something and wasn't manipul- manipulatable, I don't know, whoever the people are would have them the hell out of there. And it used to be well, you know, I think, I think Chuck Schumer was right when he warned Trump, when you start attacking the national security state, they're going to come after you. And so if you're a, a political outsider and you want to clean it up, you better be really, really squeaky clean um, and not have any skeletons in your closet because... Right. They're they're gonna they're gonna they have 
you know, all those emails, everything you've ever posted on the internet, maybe probably even things you said on a cell, uh, on a cell phone, maybe yeah. they got transcripts of that stuff. And they got it stored in Utah at a data center, right? A massive data center in Utah. Uh, that is not green, by the way. Uh, it, can, it it might be one of the drivers of the so-called drought in Utah because it uses so much water to cool uh, those, those servers. And it uses an incredible amount of energy, right? So if, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that and you're gonna take on the, this the state, the, the bureaucracy, um, I think you I think once you're in office, you realize, man, I don't know if I want to take these guys on. Right. Okay, you realize you so can't I do it. Chuck, I think Chuck was right on the money on that. I think I think Obama ran to that and he yeah. fell back to playing golf and, and you know, doing what he what he felt what he thought he could. I don't think he's a bad person. Yeah. At all. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, George Bush, I think, was totally overwhelmed by the neocons. I think if I think if uh, Barack Obama running for office uh, met Barack Obama as the president, killing thousands of people with drone strikes throughout the Middle East, I think the Barack Obama running for office would have been um, very upset with the Barack Obama in office, right? So I think Barack probably came to the realization that you can't fight the state either, and he just kind of went along with it. I think he went along with it. Yeah, he became. Yeah. Uh, as Dr. J used to say, uh, as, as a, a, conser- a guy who loves big business, I wish we could elect the guy again. He's done more for big business than anybody else has, ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know how you uh, you go about, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, Carl has, he's at the point where, you know, we almost need a, you know, I don't, I don't think our democracy is strong enough democratically, which is a stupid thing to say, they have essentially a ballot box revolution, and I sure as hell don't want to see a bullet revolution. So I don't know mm-hmm. how you I don't know how you clean this up. I don't know how you I don't, I don't know how you 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 walk in one day and you say, okay, uh, the people that were in the center disease control, you made some mistakes, but then you got so in bed with the people that are doing these studies. I, I mean, I'd walk into that place and say, by the way, you guys are all fired, and next time you. Take care. Take a study from the people trying to sell you the drugs. Is the day you get fired without a pension? You mm-hmm. you can't do that. I mean, nobody would do that. That the people giving you the studies are the people that are that want to sell you the product. I mean, really? Like, hell, you know that. I mean, I think you know that. Mm-hmm. Maybe once or twice, but not not every single time. I mean, you just can't do that. Well, you know, I think it's. Worse than people think it is. I think it when is I, too. I, I think it's the, worse than I think it is, which got me really concerned, by the way. Yeah. Well, when you look at the speaker race, I mean, why was Jim Jordan uh, not elected? Well, the, the quote unquote, he uh, was a J6 denier or he supported the insurrection, right? But I think what it really was, he uh, was not um, gung ho about the war in Ukraine. And you got you to love the war in Ukraine, right? Despite the fact that Ukraine and Russia were the two, two of the most corrupt nations the year before the conflict started, today you have to be in favor of the Ukraine war, right? Uh, the current Speaker of the House wasn't he uh, up in the same boat with respect to January 6th, but he seems more in favor of uh, spending money on that war in Ukraine. So right there tells you exactly what's going on, in my opinion. Well, I don't. Ever since they they got. Rastinkowski out because whoever the they's are couldn't control him uh, for stamps, which I don't think any American gives a crap about, right? 
for, for using extra stamps, really. With all the money stolen in Washington, we're worried about, about stamps. Um, uh, but they wanted him out. Okay, so they, they booed him out. And then they put, uh, well, I think right after him, I think, was it Newt? I'm not, I don't know the progression here. Hey, Greg, if you got a second, man, I know we're running up against some time. Uh, who were who the progression of speakers after Rostenkowski? I know, but Denny Hastert was put in. There's no doubt people knew his past and controlled him in oh, my yeah. mind. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, we had uh, Wayne Matson on and said, oh, yeah, the people in Washington knew the guy had a problem. Yeah. So it was a... a you know, How he, far do you want to go back? Just from Dan Rostenkowski forward. Okay. I think it was... Well, if you, think the, about, if you think about the Affordable Care Act ruling by the Supreme Court, I, I read articles about uh, the Chief Justice siding with the conservatives, and they were going to uh, rule against the mandate being a tax. And within two uh, two weeks before that uh, majority opinion was going to be released, Roberts changes to the liberal side, and he says it's a tax. And I'm thinking to myself, why would a guy do that? If that is true, if that accounting of what happened in the Supreme Court is true, why would he do that? Maybe maybe the deep state has got the goods on talking, Roberts, uh, right? Are we talking if I was the if I was a novelist, that yeah. that would be the my novel, right there, that'd be the, the primary conclusion of my novel. Right. Well, we don't have, maybe next week uh, we'll have some time to go through the iterations of, of that act. And See, Hastert, yeah. who, Boehner, was, was Hastert right after? Uh, Pelosi, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy. When, when was Newt? Was Newt before Rasty? Newt was before Hastert, after Tom Foley. Uh... And then when, when was Rastenkowski? Don't see that name. You know what? He, he wasn't. He was head of the Ways and Means Committee. You're right. He was, he was the most powerful Democrat when the when the Republicans were in. Yeah. Yeah. He was there. He was well, the speaker. He was Hatcher, speaker. I mean, in hindsight, Hatcher was picked why? Because he's compromised, right? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe maybe this guy uh, that is now speaker of the House is compromised, and that's how they kind of rein people in, right? I actually met uh, Tom Foley. It's pretty cynical. I mean, I, you know, Tom, I don't like being this cynical. Yeah. But, you know, you know, I don't pay attention to what they say. I pay attention to what they do. And what they do tells all. Well, you know, I, I actually met uh, Tom Foley a couple times. He was from uh, Spokane. Spokane, yeah. And he came to a couple of breakfasts to see Bo. And, you know, I, I was 6'4 at the time. He's taller than me. Big man. And he's very, very well-spoken. uh you know, all the guys from the, the floor were a lot of more real conservative, and they were uh, <laughs> giving him a bunch of crap, basically. And he, he was fine with it. And uh, the fun thing, he goes, the guy said, what would you think of Tip O'Neill? And he goes, he goes, you couldn't love Tip O'Neill. He goes, not love him. No matter what side you were on, he was an, the nicest, you know, bright, you know, tough dude. He said, but he was, he'll have a, he'd have a beer with anybody and listen to him. And he'd make sure if you disagree with him, he'd make sure he'd know exactly what you thought, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, the guy was absolutely fearless. And one, one of the guys goes, what do you mean fearless? He goes, he was going to this totally, you know, right-wing convention, uh, and he was going to go speak. And I said to him, you know, Tip, what the hell are you going over there for? And he goes, ah, I don't worry, I got no problem. He shows up, and everybody's all over him about the, the spending, you know, like welfare spending and stuff like that. And he goes, he says, uh, so you guys, he goes, I'm in a room with all these businessmen, and all you guys, you know, you walked uphill against the wind both ways to school, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, nobody ever gave you a dime. And the whole room, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, before you give me any more crap, basically, 
can I ask like two questions? And the guys go, okay. He goes, how many here, either you or your father, went to school on the GI Bill? And of course, like 80% of the hands go up. Then he goes, how many of your parents have ever like got a new hip or a heart operation or something, and Medicare paid for it, and they didn't, or you didn't? And like the other, you know, 60 or 70% go up. And he goes, all right, so tell me again how you never took a dime from government? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're going to give it away, you might as well take some, yeah. right? He, he goes, the whole room, he goes, now, now let's talk policy. You guys have some concerns? I'm with you. What can I do? What, what can we do? I mean, he, he was, he, nobody's perfect. But they yeah. said, he, but, but Foley said the dude was absolutely fearless. He would go into any room, didn't care, and he, had, he felt he was a big, tough Irish guy. That he'd come out walking. You know, he was just one of those guys. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if we have people like that anymore. I mean, uh I, you know, no, I think with I think with social media, Twitter, well, X and Facebook, yeah. Instagram and AI and deep fakes, I think everybody's I think most people are probably scared, living in fear. Well we've got a minute and a half here, and I from a totally economic perspective, uh, you know, I see, you know, two ships coming at each other in a night or maybe a ship in an iceberg. How long can the market or at least a lot of the stocks in the market and the, the, the averages stay strong? When the government's pulling the thirty percent, someplace somewhere here, hell, even though I don't want to give them another friggin' penny, they got to get some more money out of people, or else they got to stop spending. And I don't see them doing. They have to do one or the other, or else this is non-sustainable. We're up to six hundred and seventy billion dollars a year in interest. If that goes to a trillion, we got real trouble. We got trouble now. Yeah. When 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 does the market and and the backdrop? clash or, or maybe maybe the answer is never but what do you think well i think one reason why it's not happening in the united states today is because where are you going to go who are you going to call right uh are you going to go to europe you're going to go to china you're going to go to japan <clears throat> so i think relative on relative terms the united states is probably the least worst place to to be right, right. oh yeah what uh, now that can all change maybe we lose the reserve currency status and all those dollars come flooding back to the United States. I mean, that, it could change pretty quickly. Uh, when when I think uh, the UK lost its, uh, it, its uh, status, right? It, basically, the UK, we're, we're, we're where the UK was probably circa 1910. And I, I think at the time, if you ask people back in 1910, if uh, the UK would lose that status, you'd probably have very few people agreeing with that. But within... 20, 30 years, uh, the UK had uh, given up its place to the United States. So it, it, it can happen here. And, you know, yeah, I, I, I just can't get worse and worse and worse. Debt's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Interest on that debt's going to grow. Interest rates are going to continue to climb. And I don't think the Fed can stop it because I think the Fed is following markets. I think they are too. But the Fed I, is following markets, I'd love right? to see us inch up another million barrels a day in oil production and get some more out of Venezuela like the administration's trying to do. Every time yeah. you do something like that, you, you, you take a little slice off the, off the nads of uh, Saudi and Russia, which I keep wanting to do all the time. I, mean, I think the more yeah, you do way, it, way to win these wars is to uh, take away the ribbon strings. Yeah, I would agree. Hal, thank you very much, buddy. Maybe next week we'll, we'll look at some of the uh, med- medical stuff because... Uh, I, th- I think that the whole Obama Hillary thing 
maybe had some ideas going forward, but sure didn't end up where they wanted to go. But, uh, you know, ended up in a bad place. But uh, anyway, SP Futures now only up five. NASDAQ Futures are actually down a buck. So I don't know if we're going to hang in here today. We will see. Talk about it tomorrow. Thank you, Greg. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jackson. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.